Life Coach Podcast, where we showcase stories of inspiring professionals while highlighting the universal principles of success. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by attorney Teresa Gutierrez. Teresa, welcome to the show. Hey, Derek. Thanks for having me on. Super excited to be here with you today. All right. I'm excited too. I, I know you're going to have some great insight to share with the listeners. And I know I've already been inspired by the little bit of time I've spent with you thus far. And I'm excited about what you're going to share. For all of the podcast listeners, I want you all to know a little bit about Teresa's background. Uh, Teresa Gutierrez is the founder and owner of Teresa Gutierrez Law, a Southern California wills, trust, and probate law firm that helps clients plan for their transfer of their wealth to the next generation and that helps protect clients' assets from court proceedings during their lifetimes. Teresa is ready and able to speak with you in English or Spanish at tg at teresagutierrezlaw.com or phone number uh, 310-503-6492. Teresa, tell me, what inspired you to become an attorney? For sure, Derek. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I was the first in my family to go to college. I went to USC, the University of Southern California. Mm -hmm. um, and while there, I had many terrific, amazing, life-changing experiences. And while I was there, I was on the path to be some sort of, um, in the service in, you know, profession, for sure. I wanted to be maybe a social worker, a therapist, psychologist. Um, and then during that experience, it was my first time out on my own, living on my own, renting an apartment on my own. And through that experience, when I was renting an apartment, I, um, I had the not so great experience of um, dealing with the less than pleasant landlord and all these other issues that arose with that. Sure. And there I was, you know, barely like 20 years old, navigating this system by myself, landlord tenant law. Um, advocating for myself, standing up for myself. And in that process, um, long story short, you know, the end result was in my favor. But I realized like, wow, you know, I have so much to offer. I can, you know, I have this voice and I'm able to use it for myself. There's so many people out there that have similar needs, need similar help, but maybe don't have the language um, skill or otherwise and can't do it on their own. And then that's when I really started considering um, a career in law. So I was mm -hmm. maybe about 20 years old, a sophomore, junior at USC. Um, and then I started changing paths and I said, okay, yeah, I, I, you know, I want to do law. Um, and um, started looking into different programs on how I could prepare and mm -hmm. for the law school admission test and, you know, increase the likelihood of gaining admission. And then, um, you know, everybody has their own path to law school, but for right. myself, I didn't go right after undergrad. I ended up taking a good five years off um, to get real life work experience. Um, and, but I always knew that I would come back to that goal and mm -hmm. I did. Oh, that's, that's powerful. I, you know, when I hear a story like yours and you talk about a challenge um, that was present during, you know, when you were a 20 year old sophomore in college, and you were facing that challenge with your landlord. And, you, you know, you, it, it, to me, it's, it's one of those defining moments. It was not, at least when you described it, it wasn't a pleasant, uplifting experience. It was it's, it's somewhat difficult and challenging. But even in that challenge, it seems like you found this, this strength and you wanted to be able to use that strength to help advocate and be there for other people who maybe couldn't or don't know how to stand up for themselves. Exactly. That summarizes it um, perfectly. 
Derek and here I am. I, I ended up down that path and haven't turned back. Yes. I love it. I love it. Now. So, so similar question, maybe a little bit different. Um, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney? For sure. Um, well, you know, I think no matter what area of law you practice, each area has its, um, obviously it's, it's learning curve. I think most humble, honest attorneys will tell you, Hey, even though I've been practicing in X, Y, Z, five, 10, 15 years, there's always something new to learn. Sure. Um, so I definitely feel that way about my practice area, wills, trust, probate. Um, there's always something new, particularly the court cases. Each case has its own little nuance. Um, mm-hmm. So as many times as you may have done a guardianship or a conservatorship case, or even a probate case, um, excuse me, depending on whether the matter is contested or not, for example, can throw huge variables into your case and impact how you um, handle it. So I think for me, it, it's kind of a, a challenging aspect of practicing law, but also something that I enjoy very much, which is really just being able to, in a digestible manner, um, communicate and explain to my clients um, the, the law, right? Mm-hmm. The, the black letter law, but um, in a manner that's understandable to them, because in a lot of these cases, um, you know, it, it's highly emotional, right? These are people's oh. lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a criminal lawyer, it's like somebody's freedom. Mm-hmm. For myself, it often involves, you know, guardianship, um, someone's, uh, you know, custody over minors, um, you know, conservatorship, someone's ability to make decisions for him or herself, potentially, and that being handed over to somebody else. And then mm-hmm. probate matters, right? You have somebody that's deceased, and then you now have um, loved ones left behind that are trying to access um, their assets, you know, posthumously. Mm-hmm. And there's just various challenges that that come up. But I'm thinking more in um, the guardianship realm, right. With custody, highly emotional. Oftentimes mm. you have deceased parents, um, incarcerated parents, parents that cannot care for their children. And then you have other able and willing persons willing to step in, um, and do it. So how do I explain to them, um, you know, the, the steps that the courts would go through to make a determination about whether or not they're suitable, um, to take custody of the children, um, so I love being able to, to do that, to explain that to my clients. Um, I see it as an opportunity to, to mm-hmm. educate them, right, yeah. beyond the emotional components of the case, um, but also to, to figure out creative ways of, um, you know, how those facts that are really important to them can be used to, to strengthen um, their case or to best highlight their, their position. Yeah. So I enjoy doing that. And oftentimes um, I, what I like to do is, I like to ask my clients, you know, what's worrying you the most yeah. um, about this case or this issue? Because oftentimes there's a way for me to calm them down, mm-hmm. you know, and explain, okay, this is our best case scenario. Right. This is the worst case scenario, kind mm-hmm. of everything in between. Um, and just kind of have a game plan for no matter what happens, this is how we're going to tackle it. Yes. So I love being able to do that for, for my clients. Yes. Yes. And I love the, 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 the detail and the perspective you gave us. There's an element that you like the challenge of having to continually learn. Like, I, and I have read that about like the way we're designed as human beings is where we, we, we work in an optimal way when we're challenged just beyond our comfort level. And so as I heard that from you, it, there's, a, there's an element of what you do that keeps you on your toes that you continually have to be refreshed and and go back and continue to be a great, uh, great learner. And then your clients, those, those that you advocate for, um, 
are the recipients of that you being passionate about the challenge, you, you being passionate about learning and uh, being able to advocate for them, which um, we, even as you described the scenarios in which you, you, you serve the people, it's some of those things, those scenarios are the worst times in people's lives. And for you to be a source of light, source of, I, I know you, there's a part of you, even in, in the, the interactions I've had with you here uh, today, but also when we've connected other, otherwise, you have an element of empathy and compassion to connect as a, as a person. Yet you, you have that strength, plus you have the, the insight from law. So I can see how those are working in your favor, but also to, to trans, transfer that favor to, to your, your clients. Yes, for sure, Derek. I think in this um, profession, if you're coachable or have this kind of, um, how can I say it, um, you know, kind of growth, uh, you know, perspective, point of view, mm-hmm. you're growth oriented, um, willing to try things, you know, differently, it's, it's going to help you. Yeah. Um, and then by default, your clients, for sure. Sure. Now, did you, was it for you? Was it in law school, or at what point did you decide I really want to focus on wills, trust, and probate law? Or, or where, where, or how did that come about in your journey to to focus on this one area? Because law, as as some of the listeners know, that there's so many potential practice areas. How did you choose this practice area? Yes. So while in law school, um, I went to an American Bar Association accredited law school, Loyola Law School in um, downtown Los Angeles. That's where I finished. And I started at Thomas Jefferson School of Law in San Diego. So most law schools have, because of the accreditation requirements that you have to take, you know, first year law students take usually some sort of legal writing, constitutional law, criminal law, property law, um, the fundamentals, essentially. Um, And then as you move into you know, 2L, your second year, 3L, oftentimes there's some flexibility and you can choose some electives that are hopefully going to help you with your bar preparation. So here in California, I was focusing on like California family law. And then I took a wills and trust class um, my last year because that topic area always interested me. Um, And actually my first internship um, when I had started law school, I split it up with a private practice attorney who was actually in this area and to this day, uh, you know, we remain in contact. Um, so that was a really cool experience, the kind of a behind the scenes um, point of view of how it all works. And then um, I just kept that interest going. And unfortunately, my third year of law school, my father passed away. So, um, you know, I kind of had a head on deal with death in, in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically as a Latina, you know, from Spanish speaking family, um, also had to deal with the reality that my father had passed away into state without a plan. So uh, alongside my mother and, you know, my siblings, we were navigating this whole system, this whole process, um, and all the, you know, you had the grief part, but then all these other things you're dealing with too. And I realized that unfortunately for my community, that's, um, a commonality regrettably yeah. that, you know, some folks, um, whether because they want to avoid it or just lack of information, don't get around to uh, preparing um, an estate plan, right? Which is really like a gift to themselves, um, peace of mind, but also a gift to their families. So that really motivated me even more um, to get out there and start doing this type of work because so many in my community, um, even though, you know, they might be recent arrivals to the country or first generation, second generation, whatever the case may be, um, my community 
has a lot of hardworking people and they're business owners and they're homeowners. And I said, well, this is an opportunity for me, um, you know, to be an advocate and use my strong suits to give back to the community and inform them about this important process, guide them through it if I'm so lucky. Um, and that's what happened, Derek. And when I finished um, law school and eventually took the bar, I was working at an organization that did um, legal guardianship work. So some of my first few cases as a young new attorney uh, were legal guardianship cases. Mm -hmm. So a year later, when I went off on my own to learn wills, trust, probate, and to provide that service to my community, um, naturally guardianships fit in with that as well. So I was just kind of able to use that as a building block. And mm -hmm. um, here I am. I just recently celebrated five years um, as a law firm owner, um, six right. years as an attorney. Thank you. Um, so it's hard. It's hard to believe. So I haven't looked back. I really I really love this area. You know, I'm here in my office right now. And I'm oftentimes humbled by the fact that um, you know, I look around here and I say, wow, like I smile here with clients. I laugh with clients. People cry in here. Like there's mm -hmm. so much going on in here. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think it's very important work and, yes. um, I, I love it so much. So that's how I ended up in this area. Oh, good. Um, you know, I, when I'm I was listening to you and I can, I can certainly attest to that in the, again, in the Hispanic community, I know I'm in Texas, you know, you're, you're in California, but certainly in the Hispanic community, I think the idea of, um, again, uh, trust, estate planning, you know, um, all of these things, you know, my, my, myself and my family included, you know, when my dad passed when I was 17, you know, that we didn't, I mean, I didn't know what an estate was, you know, I, I didn't, I, uh, so there's, there's, when I hear you are focusing on an area that your people in the community need, I know it, it, it absolutely encourages um, me to know there are people like you who are thinking about, you know, I'll, I'll call it our people, right? You know, you know, our people, and we're considering how can we, what are the gaps? And let's have a, you know, to have a realistic um, view of that and not to sugarcoat it, but it's to be very realistic about it. And then um, how can you um, serve and help in that area um, to fill those gaps to help? Again, I'm gonna call it, you know, our people um, so that when those, some of those horrific situations come up, you know, deaths are, are devastating, you know, they, can, they very much can be, but without a plan, you know, without, um, it, it's even that much more difficult and families can be ripped apart in, with some of the greed that comes up and, and what people think they deserve or, or, or are entitled to. So anyway, it is, it really nourishes me and builds me up knowing that pe people like you are out there looking to be able to help mitigate some of the, suf the, the unnecessary suffering that comes after um, you know, these, uh, t terrible things that can happen. Yeah, for sure, Derek. And I think you mentioned a, a great point as you were commenting about this, because you mentioned that, um, you know, a lot of folks in, in our community or just in the community at large, um, are oftentimes intimidated or unsure about yes. what this process is. And I think just the very word, um, estate itself can really throw people off. And it's kind of this misconception that to do some sort of estate planning, you know, you have to be like this billionaire or millionaire. Right. right. And that's really not the case. You know, like you said, you're out in Texas, I'm here in California, but you know, at least for my state, I can say if you're 18 or over, you should consider some sort of estate plan. 
right? Because mm. um, it's not just about protecting yourself, your family and your assets for when you pass on, but also to protect yourself from court proceedings during your lifetime. Imagine if you were ever to become incapacitated on a short-term or long-term basis, if you don't have the necessary directives in place, um, giving permission to agents or representatives to act on your behalf, if you cannot, your loved ones could find themselves in a situation where they have to go to probate court during your lifetime to get orders from a judge saying, hey, I can make medical decisions or financial decisions for Teresa because, you know, she's in the hospital and she cannot right now, or she's permanently um, disabled and cannot. And Mm -hmm. um, that's something that can very easily be avoided um, if when you're well and healthy, you sit down and think these through, think these things through and and, um, get yourself um, organized. So it's so much more than just passing on wealth at at your death, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. No, I love that. I, lo- I love that perspective. Now, um, let's 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 change gears and um, let's talk about your law firm. Uh, w- what has been the best way to attract new clients to your law firm? The reason I'm I, I, I always like asking this question so that because I know the new law firms out there, they kind of have this same universal question. How do I get new clients? How do I sustain clients coming in? Um, what has been the, the, the best way that's worked for you thus far? Yes, very important question, right? And as you noted, especially for um, the, the aspiring new solo practitioners or you know, someone that's maybe recently launched, that was certainly uh, front and center on my mind um, before I got started and shortly thereafter, you know, how, how was this going to work? And I would often find myself reaching out, um, obviously to other attorneys that I knew, um, who had walked that path before me, either in a similar area, the same area or a completely different area, um, here in Los Angeles, but as far down to San Diego and really anybody that would talk to me, um, (laughs) you know, I was making those calls, sending those emails. And I think, um, so here's the thing, Derek, I think when you, when you start a firm or you know, any business, but I'm going to talk in the law firm realm because that's, that's what I know. That's, those are the shoes I've walked in. Um, you will get hit up left and right, you know, from marketers trying to sell you all these, um, you know, products that some of them maybe you need or some variation of them. Um, but many, you know, will try and get you right away into some sort of advertising, um, agreement, be it in print online. Um, what do they call this? Uh, SEO, Uh, there are all these things to um, increase your, your traffic online, right? Right. So, um, you know, depending on your budget, you may or may not be able to do some of those things. So it can feel very overwhelming, because here you are this new, you know, attorney, not just attorney, maybe, but um, depending on how many years you have under your belt, but also new firm owner. And those are various hats to wear, right? You have to know the law. But you know, when you are a law firm owner, business owner, you are where the buck stops. Like you are everything. You're responsible mm-hmm. for everything. Like, as you know, for bringing in the business, um, right. maintaining it, so on and so forth. So, um, so I was reaching out to a lot of people, talking to different people. Hey, you know, what do I need to do? And uh, one of the young ladies that was so kind to speak to me, I remember one of her pieces of advice was, Teresa, there's no magic pill. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's, no ma- there's no magic pill. It's going to be different for everybody. But, you know, this is what worked for me and it will take time, you know, and then I had, um, so I thought that was really important. Um, 
you know, I had other business owners like in the insurance industry, things like that. People that really cared about me, um, you know, that were happy cheering me on. And um, one of them told me, you know, be patient with yourself again, you know, this, this takes time. Um, another really close friend of mine, um, who's maybe about over 10 years into her solo practice, a completely mm. different area, but she was like, you, you know, you need to really tap into your existing network. Mm. So that's one thing that I did instead of, um, jumping on board and getting myself in like a magazine or something like that. Um, or this SEO that uh, frankly, I still don't understand. Um, mm. I did just that with the help of that friend. I made my law firm Facebook business page. Um, and I had already been up and running a few months. And I remember it was 4th of July weekend and we met at for coffee. She's like, okay, you're going to, you're going to make this page, uh, public now. And then you're going to share it with like your network because, um, you know, they need to know what you're up to because they themselves might need help with the services you're offering, Mm -hmm. or they're going to for sure know somebody that does. And she wasn't wrong. So that was many years ago um, that I did that. And then um, another mentor still, um, he told me, hey, like instead of throwing your money away, at least at the outset, you know, on all this advertising that you're, you really don't know what the return on investment is going to be there. He said, you know, focus maybe on trying to take somebody out to lunch every month. Ultimately, what he was getting at is that uh, relationship building is more important than anything Um Organic Mm -hmm. and naturally, of course. And I've definitely noticed that um, over the years, you know, I think it's so important. um, I think for all of us in in different spheres, like professionally, personally, to find our tribe, to find our group, right? Our cheerleaders, um, so to speak. And then um, the important thing is to follow through and maintain those relationships, stay connected to people. um, And, you know, if people send folks your way, thank them, right? And then ultimately, you know, I think it just boils down to doing the best possible job you can um, for your clients, Um, because I can say that now I still don't do, Derek, any type of um, paid advertising. I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, So everything has been mostly word of mouth or some of my clients come back for other services and or refer um, people they know that need similar, the same services. So that's how it's, that's how it's been working for me. Yes. Yes. So I want to highlight several things you said. Uh, number one, you said uh, mentors, uh, which again, I feel like there's no replacing the, the role of mentors. Even the phrase you use as uh, someone who's uh, some that are further ahead on the road and having the humility and in, in being able to put ego aside and go, no, look, I, I, I'm new and I'm learning and I want to ask other people who are ahead to see what has worked for other people. So you captured that detail. You captured um, tapping into the existing um, network. And sometimes, you know, um, we could be so active as business owners and going outside of our, our, um, our network to start new relationships when there's a, there's a lot of potential with our existing, the existing people we know and, and the places and the people they can connect um, connect us to. So anyway, I think that you just offered some great insight and also understanding that each per each business, each person is going to be a little bit different as far as what works for them. The phrase you used was, um, there's not one magic pill that works for everybody, <laughs> every law firm everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. But I would say there's just some general kind of rule of thumb things, you know, just do the best mm-hmm. work you can do, be kind, you know, kindness goes 
a long way, Derek. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you, um, there's been some cases I've been on court cases, of course, um, contested at that. Right. So you have like opposing counsel and sometimes when you're in the mix of it, um, I probably speak for most of my colleagues, but it, you know, it's important to, um, practice civility. And even though you're, and, and I, it's challenging, right. You're advocating for your client, right. And you want your client to know that you're advocating for them and you don't want civility to be perceived as your client by, or by your client as being overly friendly in any way. But I haven't had that situation. I've had clients actually tell me like, Oh, you know, no, you're professional. So, you know, I, cause right. You get more when you're, when you're kind. I mean, that's just, that's just the truth. There's no, there's no need to be nasty. Or at least that's not, that's not my style. Like even in some of my contested cases, like I'll, I'll walk my clients through and I'll say, you know what, this is probably how I'm going to start it. This is how I'm going to talk to the other side because I think it's going to keep everybody calm. Yes. Are you okay with that? Because that's, that's my style. Somebody else might do it like this, but that could be more, you know, it's going to add flame to, to the fire. It's an already difficult situation. So I like to um, kind of confirm that with people, you know, head on, like I'm firm, you know, I'm strong, you know, where I need to be, but um, I have my own way of doing it. So that's important to me. And, and I guess I, I, I wanted to bring this up because in some of these cases, I, um, you know, you, you sometimes wonder how you're doing. And I would say the law, definitely when you're on your own, there's not a whole lot of room for feedback. You don't have that senior partner. Mm-hmm. That's like, Oh, you know, good job today. Or, right. <laughs> so you're just kind of, okay. You know, I, I assume I did. Okay. You know, you hear feedback from your clients, obviously the end results, but um, when opposing counsel, you know, sends you cases down the road, you're like, oh, okay, I guess this person at the end of the day, wow. in the moment they were doing what I was doing, advocating for the client, but they're sending people to me that they can't help. So I think they at least respect me. Wow. Right. Um, and maybe that won't be the case for, for everybody or every case, but, um, it, it's happened quite a few times in the last couple of years. So that's just, again, one of kind of those humbling experiences and, and moments where, you know, as a, as a fairly new attorney, um, yeah. law firm owner, you know, you sit there and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm on the right path. You know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my calling and I'm doing a good job at it. Awesome. I love that because your value of kindness, it paved the way for you to even earn respect and then also to be able to get the respect enough where you were referred. That's just a beautiful thing. And let you. me ask you, um, Teresa, what's a unique challenge that you faced as an attorney that you have overcome? I've overcome. Wow. That's, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I think the challenges um, are different for all of us. I think, you know, somebody that's employed by a firm or an organization, um, they're going to have different challenges than an attorney that, that is self-employed, but the challenges are there and there are many, you know, for everybody. Um, you know, I would say for myself, um, you know, sometimes just managing the, the multiple hats, you know, that I wear, um, as an attorney and a law firm owner, um, and then life outside of the firm too. Right. Um, you know, being a mother, being a daughter, that type of thing. And I, and, you know, I probably don't speak for myself. I think probably most, uh, you know, working age folks are dealing, you know, with the same um, issues. So I think it's, it's not something that's overcome and then that's it. It ends. Right. I think it's, 
this ongoing um, process that each person ultimately just figures out, um, okay, this is working for me well right now. But again, having that kind of growth oriented, um, you know, point of view and, and being willing to, um, you know, pivot or, you know, make changes, try something new if, if things aren't working anymore, um, or as you're scaling and growing your business, just, just that willingness to, to, um, you know, explore and, and do new things, um, that work for you, whether it's months or years, and then be ready to switch gears, you know, when you need to, I think that's, what's helped me, um, you know, overcome those, those challenges. Yes. I, I appreciate that. And I think there, there is, a courage that is needed with what you're describing in uh, changing gears and exploring and experimenting to uh, to try things out um, that might be able to help with the challenge of um, again whether it's uh, it's balancing that that the work in the life and figuring out what what, what works you know I've, I've asked a number of people about that that arena especially what I've asked professionals about it but I've asked attorneys about it and that's a continual um, um, continual challenge among many many people can relate to that for sure uh, so so similar maybe a little bit different um what's the what's the best advice advice you ever received about being a lawyer the best advice um good question i mean um I just, I'm thinking about court. I mean, one of, one of the kind of best little nuggets of wisdom, um, you know, that I received along the way, even as far back as law school, I would do things, um, you know, like moot courts and trial advocacy and that type of thing. And one thing that I learned through those experiences is that you could really, um, you know, win or lose cases or, um, tee them up, set them up in, in your favor, really with some strong writing, um, and with us just knowing like the court rules, really, um, if you have that, you know, in, in your little, you know, arsenal uh, of tools, um, and, you know, when you're up there in front of the judge, um, you know, with another attorney, even a more senior attorney, but you know, the law and you've researched the law and, you know, instead of just citing, um, some random, you know, happenings, you're, you're citing, you know, the code, um, you, you know, your credibility is just going to take you a lot further, mm. um, than had you not done that work. So, um, I guess I've been really surprised in practice of how like underutilized or how undervalued that is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now I appreciate that insight, the insight of that, uh, the preparation, there's a, you know, even from listening to you, among others, um, the idea there's an element of performance that that is that, that can be invigorating for people to be before a judge or be before a court. Um, and there's, but there's another element, which is that preparation. That's what I'm hearing from you, the preparation, the writing, the knowing the law, knowing the code and using that and leveraging it to serve your people um, can be this um, a, a, you know, a, a subtle superpower that, that adds to, um, your ability to serve your people. Oh, for sure. Because if you can kind of hone in again on what your client's concerns are and then find supporting, um, you know, codes or, um, standards of law to which you could apply, you know, those facts, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be pretty golden. So yes. 100%. <laughs> 
Now, tell us, for, for everybody who's listening in podcast land, if somebody, if there was anybody listening that could do something to support you and your law firm, what would that be for them to go do? Well, for sure. Well, obviously, if they know anybody that needs help, send them this way. But, you know, we have social media platforms. They can stop by, say hello, give a like, just show, to, show a little love. Show a little love. All right. And remind, remind us where they can find you on, the, on, on, on social media. For sure. So we're most active um, on Facebook, Teresa Gutierrez Law. We are on LinkedIn. We are on Instagram uh, recently and also mm. find ourselves on Twitter. All right. And Google my business. Yeah. And Google the business. That's right. I love it. I, lo- I love the insight. So for, so for all the podcast listeners, we just want to remind you to show your gratitude for Teresa being on the show by going over to her page, whether that's you sharing it on your Facebook page or sharing it an Instagram post on your story, or even um, just providing some engagement over on LinkedIn or Twitter. So go show, go show, go show her some love. It would be a token of appreciation um, for her, and also uh, from me. It would mean a lot for you to go show her love. Now, I'm, I, we do want to ask her her one final question before we wrap up the episode. And that the final question is: What are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? Favorite qualities of my favorite people. So we already talked about kindness, right? And yeah. how that can be challenging um, sometimes, but how it really it just goes a long way, civility. Um, but I would say my favorite people, I, I definitely enjoy, you know, a degree of uh, kindness or uh, grace or, or compassion, you know, when that sometimes has to be extended. Yeah. Um, I think especially right now, you know, with COVID, hopefully as we're climbing out of this pandemic, um, it's presented, I think, unique challenges for, for everybody in different ways. Um, you know, from things coming to a complete screeching halt to, um, you know, gradually opening and shutting and really just this fluid situation that we've been dealing with. But, um, but I think life just oftentimes does that too. So I think, um, you know, when people are flexible um, and understanding and willing to work things out um, instead of maybe like shutting down. And, and that's something that I've, um, try to work on too over the years, right? If sure. something is um, you know, upsetting or uncomfortable, um, really, you know, instead of like running from the issue, which is I think a very natural uh, reaction or, or running from the challenge, you know, trying to deal with it head on, at least to understand it, right? And at the end of the mm-hmm. day, um, you know, in the event that it's two people or multiple people um, maybe disagreeing on a point, trying to at least understand, um, various perspectives. So like, I guess that also, um, includes like a degree of tolerance. I think we're, we're living in interesting times. Right. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, for, for me, it's just really important. And maybe this is just like my lawyer hat, but I, I really genuinely try to like step into people's shoes, even if it's like an an unpopular, so to speak, um, point of view. I I just, I really want to understand people. Um, not because I'm trying to see if they're right or like I'm wrong or vice versa, but like, I, I want to understand that perspective. This yeah. is my perspective, but I want to understand that one. And then if they're interested, I want them to understand mine too, yeah. because that's where, that's where we learn. That's, yes. that's how we grow and mm. become our best selves. Yes. I, I think you gave us a, a, a great list of qualities for all the podcast listeners. You think about these qualities she listed. She mentioned, she mentioned kindness, compassion. She mentioned flexibility. Um, and, and, and she mentioned being understanding, 
Um, the idea of uh, that, that, that empathy of putting yourself inside of somebody else's situation and perspective. Um, what I like to remind all the listeners is you think about these are her favorite qualities. So it, as you are striving to grow as a person and you think about some of these qualities and adding them to who you are, you know, it does increase your favor with people as you embrace different qualities that are um, worthy of admiration. Um, Teresa, I want to say thank you once more for spending time with me today on, on, on the episode. Yeah, no, thank you, Derek, for, for having me, for reaching out. I think this is a terrific platform, an excellent, um, you know, way to share, as you've already noted, um, you know, what professionals out there are doing and mm -hmm. because we can all learn from each other and then hopefully inspire, um, others. Yes, absolutely. No, you're definitely inspiring people out there and I'm, and I, I'm lucky and I'm blessed to to have you on the show. Um, I do want all the, the podcast listeners to know this episode is sponsored by Strong Life Scholars, whose mission is advancing Latinas in high-end professions, education, and community impact. Thank you, precious listeners, for tuning in to another episode. Be sure to go over to the Apple Podcast app and give us a five-star review. Remember to subscribe, and we'll connect with you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.